Welcome back to Byteside. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is a show about the digital world that we're all living in these days. And today we're talking about the digital games tax offset. Yes, sounds a little dry, but for years the games industry has been fighting to get that little bit of assistance from the government that recognises the value and the great creative industry jobs that go with having a really robust Australian games industry. They've often just wanted to be brought into line with the industries like the film industry. And last year, the government introduced this digital games tax offset. And for the most part, it was applauded because that's great. You know, any step forward is a fantastic step forward. So I think I was part of the chorus that just thought, fantastic, we're finally getting somewhere. Uh, And no doubt the industry through its lobbying processes has also been applauding, uh, you know, the fact that it's a big step forward. On April 18, the window for feedback closes on the nature of the details of this offset that's meant to kick in as of the 1st of July in the new financial year. And... I've read an interesting piece at a website called Tech Lever by Ben Thompson. He's an Australian specialist in this R&D tax space for innovation and tech companies and startups and people like that. And he helps those kinds of companies understand the opportunities and helps them to try to save money in those areas. He had a really interesting insight into the detail of the digital games tax offset and a lot of problems that actually exist in the way that the rules have been written. And so he's really trying to encourage more people to have a closer look, understand what's going on, and join in that feedback process and point out what should change to make this as good as it could be uh, for the future of this industry. So having read that piece, I caught up with Ben just to try to get this really quick episode out to get an understanding uh, of what's going on uh, and what people should be keeping in mind about the offsets and specifically the kinds of things that are excluded from the offsets. Uh, In a digital industry, the idea that you can't claim things like computer hardware and software And game engines seems like a really kind of weird way to set up. So let's jump into my conversation that I had with Ben Thompson from Tech Lever. And there's a link to his article in the show notes as well. Let's dive in. It's always great to be able to talk to somebody who has expertise in interpreting these things. And I think as um, you're just saying, it's... we, we generally want to welcome these kinds of things to the industry, um, but it's good to dig into the details so people actually understand what they are or particularly what they might not be getting. So can you kind of explain, you know, just your expertise in this R&D tax space so people know that you know what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, yes, certainly. Uh, thanks, James. Um Yeah, so uh, I'm Ben and run Tech Lever, who specializes in the consulting and advice around the research and development tax incentive. Um, it's been in operation now for 10 years um, or 10 plus years. And I've been doing R&D tax since 20, no, since 2006. Um, it provides money back to companies who are conducting research and development activities, which aren't necessarily uh, a known quantity. You don't, nec- you don't know if it's going to work and 
the government incentivizes companies to spend some money because if it comes off, you might turn into uh, Cochlear or ResMed or Atlassian. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that's a legislated um, instrument um, in the Income Tax Assessment Act as uh, other uh, pre-existing film uh, and television offsets and the digital games tax offset, which is um, the legislations for, for review at the moment, will also live in that um, Income Tax Assessment Act. And so my experience is uh, broadly applicable in that I live and breathe R&D tax and translating legislation to actual, you know, real world business um, activities and expenses. And that's transferable across uh, DGTO. So I'm looking at it from a, I'm poking holes and looking for, looking for gaps and things that maybe the industry body, which has been a huge advocate for getting DGTO to where it is today, um, they might be not not seeing it all, you know, I'm just coming out from a different different angle. Yeah. And look, I think you touched on what seems like a really critical point there, right? Which is that this is meant to encourage people to invest in an area that they might not feel like, you know, is this or isn't this gonna work out? Uh and so, yeah, from the conversation we had prior to this chat, it seems clear that if a games company suddenly realizes oh, we can't even claim you know, some of the key software that we need to be able to produce this game we want to make or some of the other sort of hard costs of setting up to actually do this stuff, then it's not necessarily actually going to help people in the way they might immediately think when you think, oh, this is what something like this should be able to do. Yeah, it's it's just quite interesting. So the R&D tax, it's... Uh, about supporting things which are unlikely to to work, and there is no requirement for you to be successful or even to to roll forward with what you tried. You may revert back to the tried and trusted, you know, boring way of doing things. DGT, the digital games tax offset, is quite different in that it supports video game development, but but you only get that's you only receive a benefit if you release a game. So, uh, yeah, the you could uh, if a game is not working or the you a studio recognizes oh, this isn't a fun mechanic or there's this is just not a enjoyable experience, and they decide to uh, halt production, then they lose. Then they they don't get to any support um, through digital games tax offset let alone the what expenses you can and can't claim. Um, yep, hardware hardware is out. Any software licenses to actually make the game, you can't claim them. can't claim assets or tools that you may purchase from the asset store, regardless of whether they were made in Australia or, or otherwise. And most pressingly, uh, and it's only just come to, to light post-release of the legislation, is that wages paid to co-founders and directors of a company are not claimable under the tax offset. So you could be an indie uh, game dev studio 
potentially uh, say four co-founders, each of you uh, bringing you know certain skill set to the the team. Could be both developers or creative creative director, mm-hmm. technical director. You can't claim your you can't claim the costs your wages that you pay to yourself. Um, <laughs> however, a big AAA studio they could claim this the the people in the same roles um, who are m- most definitely on much larger wages. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, there's lots of things wrong with it. Um, hardware and computer costs are kind of falling into the background as the, there's inconsistency in not being able to claim that. But the the, the wages to owner directors is is another huge problem um yeah um, i mean it's in front of us yeah so like so so what is in i mean it's is it basically like the actual wages to staff that are working on that particular thing and not much else yeah it is interesting so remuneration for software developers programmers engineers um designers qa uh testers Writers, artists, animators, musicians, composers, sound designers, project managers, uh, as long as they're not directors yeah. of a company. <laughs> yeah, so it, uh, and, and it covers everything from research and prototyping of the game through to user testing, updating of the game, um, obtaining uh, classification, adapting a game to certain platforms. Um, but you need to release the game and you need to spend at least $500,000 of qualifying expenditure on releasing that game. So it's it's a bit of a mountain to climb. It's funny, isn't it? It kind of it triggers a thought here that the, you know, when we think, because we're always trying to compare in some regards, you know, the, uh, what does the film industry get when it comes to mm. support versus what does the games industry get? Um, but it sort of hits me that, a game studio releasing a bad game, there's almost kind of a much clearer reputational damage in a sense if they then release another game um, compared to, you know, if someone puts out a movie and it isn't that great and then the same team of people get together and make another movie, there's kind of, there's always more of that openness to going, oh, well, let's, you know, the other one wasn't that great, but let's see what happens next hmm. from those people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the why there's crappy TV and films which are not so great. Um, it's because they have to also release <laughs> to get their apps offset. So yeah. it it has been a, a point which um, the industry, the 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 video game community has uh, pushed back heavily to the government that we don't want to. You know, it's it's ridiculous to be put in a jam of having to continue with something which you know you don't want to work, uh, you want to do or it's not going to work just to recoup a few bucks. Um, it's madness. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I guess on the flip side, there's there's nothing currently in the legislation from going down the path of developing the next Fortnite-like game, <laughs> realizing it's not going to work and go, oh, um, how about we just put out a a solitaire or some sort of match three clone with some art, uh, you know, with some ideas from the, the the much larger thing, which is not going ahead, just yeah. to just to scrape things together. But yeah, the point taken, the the reputational damage is you know is is a huge thing um, in video games. Uh, films and TV have 
what they're called SPVs, this, uh, special purpose vehicles that they get set up to get receive funding to get the DGTO, uh, sorry, to get their tax film offsets, which they close down and they start up a new entity for the next thing. Yeah. Video games don't want to, you know, be shutting and closing the thing which they've, you know, nurtured for, you know, pour their, their life into for a number of years. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, it is interesting how, how things have got to the point that they are that mirror films offsets, but then deviate away to the detriment of um, video games. Yeah. I mean, I guess right when you I look at the sweep of, you know, sort of the history of this sort of stuff, again, it's been a long fight to get much at all. Um, yeah. I mean, are there sort of any you know, uh, positives there compared to, you know, sort of the, the broader history of this thing or like, I, I guess ultimately we need to be able to engage with, you know, the reality of what is on the table and therefore, you know, uh, argue about, you know, the problems with it while also trying to, you know, encourage pr- progress rather than sort of, you know, have the politicians turn around and take their bat and ball and go home. I guess I'm approaching this from uh, looking out for the little the, the little the little people and overall it, it's 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 fantastic um that there is there is support and if smaller studios can't access it or you know have to it's it, we're all part of the same ecosystem so triple a studio comes here um there's going to be more jobs for everyone um you know people transition in and out of roles um and out of out of jobs so i mean the right now australia has such a burgeoning um indie scene because the triple A's uh, left um, after the GFC. So it's the cycle of life. So it's, yeah, it's good. And um, if, if it brings the big studios here as, as is the, certainly the intent of, or the, the fact that expenditure has been quite narrow just to, just to labor and nothing else. If that does result in larger studios setting up, setting up shop in Australia, then, then that's a good thing. That's a, that's a, that's a win for everyone. Yeah. I mean, you know, as you sort of said at the start that you've had 15 years of history in this sort of R&D space in general, I mean, have there been any sort of key milestones along the way or anything like that where, you know, it actually felt like the, you know, the, some smart levers were put in place, I guess, to, you know, help things along? I mean, most recently the R&D tax program has uh, changed to their question structure has changed. It used to be project centric. Now it's activity centric to help applicants and let alone the auditors to more quickly hone in on what was actually done and you know, the to, to tick the boxes of eligibility of the activities. So the checks and balances have improved uh, or have gotten more directed with R&D tax and that's a good thing because you provide a broad and a self-assessed program, which is broadly accessible to all industries. You, you know, the good and the bad turn up and have their hand out going, Oh, this sounds like some free money, you know, let me have some. And so having, putting the screws on a program. So only the, activities or the, the 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 companies who you really i guess it comes back to what what's driving the policy and then is does the does the policy match the program yeah irony tax is is good it's broad enough and the changes latest changes have tightened tightened things up to 
keep things on track. Um, DGTO at this stage doesn't have those same checks and balances uh, based on the legislation as it is at the moment. It's just about expenditure. There is no next step of validating activities against expenditure. You know, are you developing a game that is ultimately going to be used for sales and marketing purposes? Um, say, say digital agencies developing branded games. Branded games themselves aren't eligible for the offset, but you know, can you just take one step back from there being an ineligible game? Like, can you release a sandboxed white, you know, uh, white labeled product to to Steam, uh, and then have you know subsequent changes to? There, there, there's certainly there, there's loopholes which I can see that. They don't seem to be, the government doesn't seem to be interested in closing them off at this stage. Um, and it's it's connected to why there is such a, a restricted, uh, you know, the, the allowable expenditure, why there's so many explicit exclusions is because there's a cost of compliance and uh, to the government for for people to check this stuff and is it right? And they they seem to have tapped out on wanting to do that. And as a result, they you know, they've, they've put people on they've narrowed the focus of of what is allowable. The accompanying explanatory statement that that was released alongside the legislation gives some insights as to why things are excluded, like hardware. They're like, well, we don't. No one makes a hardware in Australia, and so we don't want to. We don't want offsets to be going to AWS for, for servers, or um, we don't money. We don't want money going to to Unity or to Unreal. It, I mean, despite Unreal, Epic having uh, opera operations here. Uh, so, so even though their reasoning for why things are in or aren't in. Is, is logically inconsistent. So uh, back to director salaries um, or, or payments to owner directors not being allowable. The reasoning that the Treasury um, is providing about that is, well, owners and directors, they have unflu influence. Uh, 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 they control setting their own wages and that shouldn't be allowable because they will you know, pay themselves megabucks, uh, you know, inflate their wages just to get a tax offset. On on its surface, you know, that sounds, oh yeah, I can understand. That sounds, that sounds logical. I can, you, you, that, that's, that's not right. You shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't uh, allow that. But then you take it a step further and what's the, what are the, the personal tax rates on, uh, compared to company tax rate? So yeah, sure. Pay yourself half a million dollars. And get a get a thirty percent offset on that, but the personal tax you'll pay on the half a million dollars will you'll be paying more tax out of your own personal pocket than the than what would come back to the company. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, you're going to need to be able to generate that revenue at some point to actually pay yourself the money. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so the, the the money's the money's either there. The tax the tax man always gets their money. It's just a case of who's <laughs> who's handing it over. So, you know, the whole reasoning as to well, we don't want to claim 
you're not allowed to claim director salaries. You're not allowed to claim hardware or you can't claim licensing. The reasons the government says that's not okay is because it's going to rip off the tax system. But they forget that on the other side, the tax that they'd be collecting from the other people from from the other side of the fence. Yeah. Regardless of the good or the bad of, well, I agree that DGTO is is good, but the the inconsistency of what's in and out and the reasoning behind it is what really um gets up my nose. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, people have got about a week left uh, from the time we're recording this to <laughs> submit. Uh, to yeah. the review, what's kind of is there a vague schedule beyond that as to because I think you're saying it's meant to kick in as of July first. Yeah, so applications for submissions back to back to Parliament about the draft legislation. The deadline for that is uh, the 18th of April. So the next step after submissions is at some point that a government um, or no, the government. Um, as to which government that is, we'll find out after the election. Yep, sometime at the um, end of May. Yep, <laughs> they will. Uh, it will eventually go to go to a vote, and once it passes in whatever form, uh, it will still come into effect from the first of July. Yep. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's it's interesting times ahead as to for everyone, let alone for the. The game dev community as to as to where this where, where this goes and yeah the next the next handful of years will will start to see how how things are going. No, look, that's awesome, and I will in the notes for this episode. I'll also throw in the link to your uh, summary of the uh, of the report because I think it's definitely helpful to for people who don't want to have to wade through uh, actual legislation uh, to have someone like yourself have been able to you know help to shed a bit of light on it and help people understand, you know, understand it and I guess ultimately help them to understand what's worth, uh, you know, submitting into this review process uh, once they get a clearer read on it and therefore uh, can see how, you know, a better version of this might actually help their organisation. So um, it's really awesome that you've written that up. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed that out the other side of this, um, if enough voices speak up, then, you know, a few tweaks could be on the cards. There's promising signs that there, there, that there could be some tweaks, certainly around the um, the most pressing issue, which is the the director's owners. But thank you very much for for having me on. And the the other the other site to to keep an eye on is is the IGEA uh, website, the industry bo- uh, games yeah. body. No, yeah, thanks, thanks a heap. Really, really great to get your insights on that. Um, thanks, thanks, mate. <laughs>